Welcome to The Theatre Project. Today, The Theatre Project is thinking about getting work in film and TV. I'm your host, Mary Ionelli, and I will be speaking with Scott Cagney as he takes us through the ups and downs and ins and outs of an actor's life. Thank you so much for doing this. Of course. Sorry if this is early for you. No, that's all right. So to start off, how did you get into acting? Was it at a young age or was it later in life? Uh, yeah, it was very young. Well, I mean, the, the interest was certainly there very young. I was always very interested in, in movies and comedy and, and things like that. So, But I didn't really get a chance to do any kind of acting until really till high school when I began, you know, doing the, the musicals for the, the show, you know, for the school that year or whatever. So, yeah, and I actually hadn't done a straight play until I was uh, my first year of college was the first time I ever done a straight play. Oh, wow. Yeah. So uh, a little bit late, but like I'd always been sort of just performing anyway on my own and just being an entertainer in, in, in all uh, facets of life. But yeah, so I, I didn't really get started until uh, kind of late, but the interest was always there and the uh, desire was always there. Okay. Now, once when I started researching the different types of actors, I guess that there are, I came across background, series regular, recurring, guest star, day player, mm -hmm. all kinds of things. What would you classify yourself as? Hmm. I tend to, kind of a cop-out answer, but I tend, I tend to vaguely uh, just describe myself as a performer as, as vaguely as possible. Because, I mean, in, it, it sort of depends on what you're, I guess, looking to do. I personally don't pigeonhole myself. I think I have a lot of different talents. Some people may feel that they're more suited for one thing, but... Yeah, so I don't really define myself necessarily in that way. Because, I mean, I, I feel like, you know, you tend to go out for different roles, for different projects and different things. So you may end up being, uh, like you say, a day player or something like that. But, yeah, I wouldn't define myself as, as one of those things. And I think, I, I personally think that, that actors really shouldn't. You shouldn't that you should think of yourself as sort of a, a utility tool, <laughs> if that makes sense. But what I would like to talk about today is getting work in film or on TV, um, okay. which you... You seem to be very good at, because I see you popping up all over the place. So would that be considered a day player? Like, you know, getting lines or something on a cop drama or, you know. Yeah, I believe that's correct. I believe a day player would be somebody who, I guess, like not a series regular somebody, I guess sort of like a guest star role for someone who's not like a celebrity, if you will. <laughs> and how do you find those jobs? Do you go through the trades? Do you have an agent who finds them for you? If somebody, again, thinking in terms of somebody who's trying to get into, um, you know, maybe somebody out of college who went to NYU or Tisch, and they're just kind of trying to get into things. I, I would recommend one of the best tools that actors use is either a backstage or actors access or, or both. You can get on there and put your profile on there and get your headshots up all your info and you can submit for projects and, and people can find you there as well. So I've actually been approached just by, um, you know, a casting director who is looking for a certain type and grabs a bunch of people and sends out, you know, a request for a sort of video submission. So I think that's the best way to start. I mean, obviously the best thing you got to do is get yourself a decent picture for a headshot because that's, that's the most important thing. 
I tend to find like resumes matter a little bit less because it's more about just getting your your essence of your person in the room and like they'll see that picture, they'll remember you. They're not going to remember every credit you've ever had. That's something super important. And you get that up on Actors Access. And uh, I personally do not uh, have an agent. I know I know people who have worked with agents and stuff, and it can be it can be great to obviously have an agent because somebody is submitting you on a daily basis. Which doesn't mean, even if you have an agent, you should be submitting yourself constantly as well. Because it doesn't really matter how you get the job. If you're being represented by an agent, even if you find the job, you can always say, I'm represented by so-and-so. Yeah, but definitely I would say an easy way to get started is Actors Access backstage. And just start searching in your area and search for, you you can search through your, your body type, what kind of roles you're looking for. If you're looking for paid or unpaid, or if you're looking for union or non-union. So those those can be very, very helpful resources if you're looking to get started, especially you're talking about someone out of college trying to get roles. I've done a couple of these and I know many actors have done a few and they're some pretty decent gigs of working for investigation discovery, or I think that's just called ID now. There's a channel and they do all the murder recreation shows and like all that stuff. So they're constantly casting. Uh, it's it's always a good gig. They're always looking for people. They're they're the ones who they tend to approach people and not just wait for submissions. They just they go out and they just send emails. So many times I've auditioned for maybe ten to fifteen of them, and I've I've been on two. But like at the same time, okay. it is an opportunity. It's always like they're always looking for video submissions, which you know the world is really going that way right now too. It's a lot more. That was going to be one of my questions. What is the audition process like now? Yeah, it's kind of interesting because it could have been this easy all along too, um, and it could have been we could have really been doing these kind of auditions forever, and we kind of got shoved into it. And and now that it's like sort of convenient for the casting directors and everything, now it's fine. So yeah, it is. <laughs> A lot of it now is, you know, sometimes if you're on backstage or actors access and you're submitting, you can submit your profile and they'll request you to give some sort of video submission and then you can send it in. And then from there, you can go back and forth before you can eventually get in the, in the room with them. But actually a lot of casting, some casting happens without you even really getting in the room with the people. It's just kind of a correspondence back and forth now uh, with videos and that sort of thing. Before you audition, do you know the type of character they're looking for? And do you do any kind of prep in your audition tape, you know, yeah, to have so, a certain look or? Uh, yeah, you can. Um, so they will send you, they'll, they'll give you sides uh, to read from. They'll usually give you like, that can be difficult too. I know because um, sometimes they'll give you a scene for two people and, you know, that can be difficult trying to send out auditions, uh, trying to find somebody to read with you because there's no real good solution to doing that alone just yet. I'm sure someone's going to come up with something, some sort of app that you can... Actually, I think there are there are some apps, I believe, you can record your own lines and... I was just thinking that, yeah. Yeah, and like run lines with yourself. Um, so I know people do that sort of thing, but a good setup is important for that. A lot of people are getting these days now are getting green screens and ring lights and the whole the whole setup. And, and that can be important to have a good home studio this, you know, this day and age, especially. You've also seen a lot of um, audio work, a lot of voiceover work that has become definitely a bigger thing. Do you do voiceover as well? I, I have. But I don't, it's not something I regularly do. Now you've done the audition or they've asked you uh, and requested you and you got the part. 
what is that day like? You know, like when does it start? If you can kind of take us through that day and also the difference between union and non-union, because these are SAG where you may be actors equity for theater, but in film and TV, you have to be SAG to go to a different place. Right, right. So like uh, when you shoot, it can be, it's, it's a long day usually um, if you're, if you're doing like a, like if you're doing an episodic or a short film or something, it can, might be one day, it might be two days. Uh, you know, obviously a full length feature film is going to be forever and ever. Yeah. So the day, you know, usually it's sometime early in the morning, you're called, you kind of check in and then you're sort of put into a, a little corral area where the actors are meant to be either a room or. I found when you work with doing the investigation discovery murder recreation shows, I found, you know, usually it's being shot at like a house and they're doing, they're using it for several locations. Um, So there's usually like a room or somewhere where they've set up where the actors can kind of just hang out. So you're mostly just hanging out and uh, talking to your fellow actors and waiting for your scene, looking over your stuff. You know, obviously you have any lines, you're writing them with actors and just kind of hanging out. They usually, you know, if you're on set, they usually take pretty good care of you. They'll they'll buy you meals. They'll get you coffee and stuff like that. So yeah, it's it's a pretty, uh, They tr- I think most of the time when you're on set for that sort of thing, they try to make everything very easy for the actors, which is always appreciated. It's not, you don't get to just go and just do your job as an actor. You have to kind of go and wait. And you really only get to do your job for a short amount of time. But there's a lot of waiting and repositioning. And, you know, you know, sometimes it's funny. I hear stories about people getting frustrated of doing uh, many takes of something and, you know, doing it over and over and over again. But it's also kind of, to me, it's always like, well, this is just more time to do what I came here to do. You know, <laughs> like I'm, I'm, I'm here to act. So, like, I'd rather and be that's doing That's a this. great attitude. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but it's very, it's very cool. It's very, you know, most, most people, you know, you're, especially if you're corralled with the other cast, they're, they're, they're just like you, they're, they're a struggling working actor, uh, trying to do what they can. And I always recommend uh, it's, it's good to talk to people and hear their experience and use it to kind of, uh, inform your own decisions too, in the business as well. And one of the big thing, I mean, networking never hurts in this business. Yeah you know, Absolutely. making connections and, mm-hmm. and whatnot. Is most of your work found in New York at this point? I know you were out in LA for a while. Yeah. Yeah. And I've been sort of, I've been sort of back and forth there. All the work has been uh, New York so far. Um, they also shoot, like I say, a lot of these, um, for instance, a lot of these, uh, the murder recreation shows, the the true crime recreation shows or whatever. They usually farm out all these. They have so many of these shows now that they farm them out to uh, smaller production companies. So there'll be, um, yeah, there'll be one company that does maybe two of their shows. And so they're constantly casting. They're constantly uh, filming. And they tend to, they, they film, it depends on where the set is. and But it's usually either in New York City or just outside of New York. I know in uh, during the pandemic, they actually a uh, lot of them moved to Connecticut. They moved their uh, uh, operations and like uh, any sets that they used were all in Connecticut because I I believe it was just because New York and New Jersey had like the highest numbers like right at the beginning. So they I'm kind sure. of sh- yeah shifted to Connecticut. But yeah, so there's I mean definitely in the tri-state area, there's a lot of work to be done. If you can if you can self-report and if you've got a car where you can take a bus or do stuff like that. 
that's also an extremely important. Um, that was going to be my next question. Do they ask you to meet somewhere and then farm, you know, like bus you out to Connecticut or yeah. do you have to get there on? Uh, well, so I, I mean, I have my own car, so I'm always able to, usually able to self-report, especially if it's out in New Jersey. I, I actually live in New Jersey, so that's convenient. But yeah, they do, if they, ca- they cast out of New York City a lot, so they do usually offer some sort of shuttle or someone driving a, you know, a car or a van or something like that, where they will uh, meet in New York City and they'll drive them out to the location and bring them back home later. So they do, they do, they kind of meet you halfway on a lot of those logistics. Okay. Is it different if you're non-union or union? Uh, Yes. I mean, it it can be. Basically, if you are in the union, you can't really audition for non-union gigs. But if you're non-union, it doesn't mean you can't audition for union gigs. A lot of times you'll find they kind of save uh, any people who are non-union auditioning for a union gig till the end. So it's sort of a benefit of being in the union that you, you're guaranteed an audition, essentially. But if you're non-union coming in, it's basically like you can wait for six hours um, and maybe you'll get to see them. Um, so it is a little more difficult, but it doesn't mean you can't audition for those things. Can you book enough and make enough? as a day player co-star to exist, to live, or do you need to supplement that somehow? And if so, how? Well, yeah, I I mean, that's, that's kind of the, the whole struggle of the starving artists. You can't guarantee that you're going to work all the time because even if you're working pretty consistently for a while, it can dry up pretty quickly it can come and go. It just depends. It's not a it's not a comment on you as an actor or anything like that. It's just about what roles you're going for. And sometimes it's just about luck. It's hard. It is hard to build a life and build a system of finances on a job that is mostly based on luck. Uh, well, skill and luck. But yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's, it's difficult. And, you know, we always, I always refer to any non-acting job that I'm doing as uh, my survival job because that's... You need to have something. You're you're probably going to have to wait some tables. You're probably going to have to uh, uh, work in a job you don't want to work in just so you can attempt to work in a job that you do want to work. And that's, you know, it's a, it's a hard reality. Then I think people should be prepared that it's like, you know, if this is not something you 100% want to do every day all the time, it might not be for you because it is going to be a world of rejection. And, and as long as you're cool with that, <laughs> if you've got to <laughs> in, I mean, you'll be fine. If everything slides off your back, you'll be fine. Having done both film, TV, and stage, do you have a preference? Um, yeah, it's hard to pick. Yeah, theater's great because you get to really like sit down with it for a long time and really plan out how it's going to be that one time. So it's it's very, you know, let's get this 100% right because we want everyone to have the exact same experience when they watch it. Of course, with film, you don't really have to worry about that too much. You get to, it's a little bit more... You know, I can take a, a multiple takes. I could improvise lines. I could, you know, we shoot it from multiple different angles. And at the end of the day, whatever narrative they want to edit it into is what it's going to be. It they, they both kind of amount to the same thing. But I think films faster where it's like, all right, shoot out all the ideas you have now, um, because later we'll decide what's the best thing. Where with theater, it's like, all right, let's really sit and we'll just hammer away at this till we find the absolute best way we can do this. And then do it that way. So it's they're different processes, but they're they're both very enjoyable because I think to an actor, if you're a performer, um, 
you like to sit down with a text. You like to really get into the, you know, playing this character um, with theater, but you also like the ability to be like, show me what you got off the cuff. Like, what'd you bring today sort of thing? Like, and this is the only shot you're going to get. So, you know, right. We'll, we'll make sure you look good. You just do your thing sort of. So that's, that's kind of nice too, is they, they worry about how you look like you don't even don't, don't worry. You don't need to see yourself. You just sit in the scene and be, you know, do your thing, you know. Have you ever had a, a bad experience on set or on in theater? And how did you handle it? I'll certainly, I'll remain a gentleman and I won't name names. Um, yeah, it's, it's difficult because um, sometimes you will, you're just not going to get along with the director. Uh, you won't like their style or the, the way they communicate which, you know, is, is, is a big part of being director is how you communicate and how you um, talk to the cast and, and you know, um, yeah, so some, you know, some directors are going to get, the thing is when you're the director, I feel like it's, it's, it's easy to say like, well, this is what I want, I want this, I want this, and basically everyone's there just to, to give it to you, essentially, Um so it, you, I feel like, and I've directed before, so I, I, I know, uh, sometimes you can get in your head a little bit, you get a little full of yourself. You think you're, you know, I'm, I'm painting this picture, not you guys. Um, so, you know, that happens. And I think the best way to deal with it is uh, try at all times to remain professional because at the end of the day, it doesn't mean that this guy you don't like won't recommend you. They, because at the end of the day, just because, you're, you're not happy with them, they may think you're still a great performer, even though you didn't work well together, and they may recommend you to someone else. So the only thing that's going to stop them from doing that is, are you going to be a, a pain in the ass in rehearsal and on set? Like, are you are you a, a liability to the production? So I, I find it's always best to try to remain professional. And, and if it becomes a real issue, I mean, if you're dealing with like some real like toxic behavior from a director or from a cast member or a production, any of that, you should say something for sure, because your comfortability is number one. There's no reason you should be, you know, um, the problem is again, you work with these small communities. Sometimes you have a bad experience and they don't, they don't really care because sometimes you can be the outsider in their small community where they've, a lot of these people know each other and, so it can be tough to navigate where you're like, you don't want to anger these people because you might want another job because if they paid you well, yeah, it might not have been good. But again, it's about surviving and you want to be a working actor. You want gigs. So it can be tough. It can be very tough, especially when you feel like you're being, uh, if you feel like you're being taken advantage of in some way, or you're being just mistreated and spoken to like, like a piece of garbage. I don't know. <laughs> Obviously, I've had some bad experiences. <laughs> <laughs> was there ever a time where you thought, even though I love doing this, it's not going to work and I need a plan B? And how did you overcome that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, I definitely there have been times where it's like, you know what? You're always going to feel that way. You're always going to have these days where things aren't going right or like, damn, I just can't get... I can't get a gig right now. I can't, I've been, you know, and I find as an actor, you start to languish. If you're like, I, I need creativity. I need to be doing something. It can be difficult to overcome for sure. I, I find strangely, I find the answer is age because, you know, you, you start saying to yourself, you're like, all right, well, I'm, if it doesn't work out by the time I'm 30, maybe it's time to think about something else. But at the end of the day, I feel like as I've gotten older, I'm like, you know what? I'm not as good at anything else as I am at this. 
So you got to think to yourself that it would be a disservice to you and to the people who believe in you and the people who, you know, have supported you over the years, your family, your friends, your fellow actors, people who have, who enjoy working with you and really believe in your talent. It's sort of a disservice, not only to you, but to them, I think, to not pursue your talent and reward the faith that people have given you your whole life. And as you said, if, if you need a creative outlet, you know, you're, you're doing this because you're a creative. Right. Um, so there may be time in between um, gigs and, and things like that, but at least eventually you know there's going to be something and you're going to be able to get that out. Right. And there are a lot of people who go to nine to five jobs who hate what they're doing. But, you know, it's, you know, if that's your passion, if that's something that you're interested in, it, like it never goes away. You know, it's always going to be there, even if, you know, that's what I feel like that's why they have community theater. There's people who, you know, who work nine to five jobs, have families and do all that. And they still do it because they love it. Right. Because that, that's what it comes down to is, do you want to do this because it's a fun, creative outlet? Or do you want to do this because it's a fun, creative outlet? And you also think you have the ability to make it a career, you know? So, and I think that, you know, and, and every person's life who's interested in theater, they have to come to a crossroads where they decide like, what, what aspect am I going to be involved in, in, in acting and in theater or film? Am I going to be behind the scenes? Am I going to be, you know, I know it's, you, you, the one thing is, you know, is you want it in your life. So it's, it's, it's the kind of thing I think people get to a point where it's like it, well, you know what, I can still be a part of the process doing this instead of doing the thing I wanted, or, you know, I'm still there. And like, I, and because it's, again, it's your passion. It's something you have to do for a lot of people. Like people can't not do it. I would suggest, you know, you're saying you have a lot of downtime, especially, you know, lockdown jobs are kind of few and far between. So how do you stay sort of creative? And I think it, I was going to say some people are actors and some people are actors and creators. I think there are people who are, are good at performing who may not be necessarily as creative to you know, create their own thing or they can't get their head around it. I think you should do it anyway. I think that's my number one thing is whether you are or not, when you have free time, try to be creative. When I'm in my head, I've always said, I had a teacher who told us, you know, in theater specifically, not a lot of people get famous by playing the same role that's already been played. When you're in a revival of something, you know, not a lot of people get famous off a revival. It's usually they're the person who originated the character. So I've always said, you know, if, if you're not seeing the projects that you want to see being uh, made out there and you're not seeing the roles that you want to play and or you're not getting them because somebody doesn't believe that you're that type, then go make it, you know, like go create that thing because you're, you're creating work for yourself, essentially. Mm -hmm. And you know your type, you know what kind of parts you want to play. So write yourself into it if you have to, like... Join a group of creative people who are writers, get a writer's room together just for fun. And I know people who do this all the time and it's, uh, it's great to like sit down with your friends, people whose opinions you trust and share writing with them. Even if you're embarrassed about it, share it because they'll have to share something too. They'll be embarrassed about it too. So, and you, you find these great connections where you work well writing with people and um, that can be helpful. Again, those downtimes between right is um is that how you got involved with strange dog theater uh strange dog theater we um straight out of college we kind of started it we were just a group of friends who were sort of like-minded and kind of enjoyed i think we all always sort of agreed on what the tone of the company was and what the 
feeling of it was. We started working together toward the end of college where um, Ben, our writer, Ben Clausen, a fantastic playwright, he, him and Artem Yasinov, our, our director, we went to college together. And toward the end, I was a, I was the head of the student-run theater group. I was the president for two years. And Artem had never really, he had assistant directed, but he had never directed his own production because he had decided late he didn't want to be an actor anymore. He didn't, he, he wanted to be a director. So I gave him an opportunity to direct a Shakespeare play we did Midsummer, and it was great. And then I was able to actually produce one of Ben's plays directed by Artem at Players that I was in and that I was also a producer on. So in a lot of ways, I always think back to that production and see that that was sort of the, the beginning. That was sort of the beginning of Strange Dog Theater, and that was where everything kind of came from there. But again, it was from this passion of liking what you do, liking who you're working with, and wanting to continue that relationship. Because a good a good working relationship with, an, with another actor or with another creative person, and even if it goes nowhere, it's soul-nourishing to work with people and be in a community and collaborate. That's what I love, is just collaborating with people. So that led to a lot of opportunities. Again, things created, you know, we also, I also work with my sketch group, Take Care Now, um, with uh, Brian Parks and, and Joe Drexel, and we worked together. That was sort of an offshoot of Strange Dog Theater. We were just three actors who really liked working together uh, and came up with ridiculous nonsense. So we just started doing sketch together. But again, it just all comes out of like, it's a love for, you know, we all, we all have the same love for the same thing. So it's... Right. Do you have a YouTube channel for the sketch or... Yes, we have a YouTube channel. Uh, it's under, the username is Take Care Now, which is our sketch group. And then you're also involved with the podcast, Trilogy? Yes. Uh, I am also co-creator and co-host of the Trilogy podcast. Yes, it is a podcast where we discuss movie trilogies. So every episode is, um, we'll watch a different trilogy, and then we sort of uh, break down the movie. We have all our terminology of different kinds of trilogies. So we really, we like to really like put it under a microscope and focus on it and tear it apart. So it's like an hour long episode of us talking about like a movie trilogy. So Star Wars, all the Star Wars trilogies, um, Lord of the Rings. RoboCop, the Santa Claus trilogy, just to give you an idea of how wacky it goes. So that is one of the ways by being involved with Strange Dog and Take Care Now and the, and the podcast that you're keeping your creative juices flowing in between your your gigs. Right, right, exactly. And it's you know, and it's and it, at the end of the day, I feel like it'll be could be a more rewarding thing than even if you get some paying gig for some small role on a thing, just to say you're a working actor, you know? So I feel like that's where you're going to get your real that creativity. And that's, that's where you're going to get your real, that's your heart, you know, like that's, that's, that's why you started doing this in the first place. Cause it was fun. Right. It can be a great outlet. Cause you don't know what it's going to lead to. That's true. You do a sketch you like so much, suddenly it becomes a, a sitcom you wrote something like that. Or you like a play so much you want to adapt it to a film, you know, something like that. Are there any TV shows that you've done that were your favorite that you really enjoyed? I, I've done a little bit of TV, but it's like pretty limited. Like I've done a few commercials here and there. Mostly I've done those true crime recreation shows. They are they are lucrative and they come around a lot. So um, I've done most of those. Those I mean, those are fun. Those are always great too. And they always give you a, a copy of the, the episode so you can use for your reel and, and put clips in that. And it's Gigs like that are a great reel builder and a great resume builder to say that you've worked on a set before and to show off some some key moments to, for your reel. 
And a lot of times, I mean, you hardly need a full reel. Most of the times they just want to see a clip of you performing just to make sure that you're an actor and not a crazy person. Any advice you have for kids who want to get into the business or anything that we haven't touched on that you want to make sure, you know, kind of gets out there? Yeah. I mean, I would say for kids, it's... It's, it's mostly the same process, but it's, you know, it's a lot of relying on your parents to drag you around to do stuff. Uh, I would say if you're a kid and you're interested in acting or you're interested in theater or performing or in film, anything, start doing it. And, and that's any way you can. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, in your school play, if it doesn't matter if it's, you know, in front of your family at, at uh, Christmas dinner. It's like either way, just just start doing it. Just start getting in front of people because that can be... Uh, especially as a kid, that can be the hardest thing to overcome is the self-consciousness and the the allowing yourself to be free on stage. Because there's nothing there's nothing I hate more than seeing an actor who is supposed to be be in an uncomfortable position in the scene, but it seems like they're trying to hold on to. But I'm a good-looking actor at the same time. I mean, that's especially true for comedy. You have to absolutely be fearless and not be afraid that you're going to look completely foolish because that's the point. Your best comedians, your best comedic actors and actresses are always going to be people who allow themselves to look ugly sometimes because people, you know, it's a weird point, but people relate with that. People relate that we're not all going to look our best all the time. We don't always want to see the most polished person ever. Really uh, allow yourself to become comfortable in front of people just speaking would be part of it, um, but also performing and push yourself. I always say one of the big things I found is push yourself outside of your comfort zone. Because if you think, I would always say, don't pigeonhole yourself. If you think, boy, I'd like to do that, but I'll never be able to do that. Do it anyway. Like if you think like, oh, well, I've always wanted to do a musical, but I've never sang or danced before. Go do it. Go sing, go dance. Just start doing it everywhere you can until an opportunity comes around and then take it. That's that's all I could say, you know, is, is if it's, if it's a love, it's a passion for you. It's something that you really, really want to do. Go at it full tilt and do it. And even if you can't be the the old song, you know, you can't be with the one you love, love with the one you're with. If you can't be doing the gig that you want to do, well, just do the gig you're doing as hard as you can, because it'll lead you to where you want to be. Dress, (laughs) dress for the job you want. You know what I mean? I'm dropping a lot of a lot of old colloquialisms right now, so that's okay. That's okay. Just once more, say the websites and the apps that you go to for looking for work. Uh, yeah, it's backstage.com and actorsaccess.com. And those are mostly TV and film or theater. It does TV, film, theater, commercial, everything, voiceover. Yeah, so you can really just audition for everything. All right, great. Well, Scott, thank you so much. I wish you luck. If thank you. there's ever anything, you know, we can do for you, just let me know. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Mary. This is fun. I appreciate it. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Theater Project Thinks About. We hope you enjoyed our conversation with Scott and gained some insight into what it's like to be a working actor. Our audio engineer was Gary Glore, and our theme music was by Gail Liu and Damien DeSandes. Visit thetheaterproject.org to sign up for our mailing list, as well as check out all the links and resources in the show notes. That's all for this episode. We'll see you next time.